Welcome to the morning community of Northridge Vineyard. Our deepest desire is that you will encounter Jesus as you listen in to our morning gathering. If you'd like to find out more about us, check out our website, northridge.org.au forward slash mornings. Um, if you just want to stretch out a, a hand towards Marcus, Lord. Lord, we thank you for this man's heart, Lord. We thank you that, Lord, he is full of joy. Lord, he's full of, he's full of poetry and that you delight in his heart, Lord. We look forward to hearing what you've placed on his heart, Lord, and we, we ask Holy Spirit, lead him. Bless him, Lord, and help him to be bold in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, mate. Well, I've got to be up here. I've got to stand up here because I've got, I've got old school notes. I've got an exercise book. I've, uh, <laughs> and yeah, there we go. I've actually had a little bit of, a, of an old school uh, weekend because I've, I've got my father's uh, record player, which I finally got going again. And it's only when you put on uh, 1987 Let's Party that, <laughs> that you miss the skip button on a CD player, you know. <laughs> Boy, there's a lot of bad music in the 80s. Um, anyway, yeah, my, my name's Marcus, uh, and uh, I have uh, four children. My wife, Nikki, she's a, a celebrity, local celebrity. She teaches at Thornley West, so we can't go anywhere without someone recognising Mrs Binet and saying hello to Mrs Binet. So uh, one of the reasons we actually didn't go last night to the fireworks was because she said it would just like BB. My story... That's not, I mean, it's no more important than anyone else's, but this is just mine. Uh, I, uh, my, I grew up in a Christian household. My parents were both Christians. My mum was from Tasmania, which may explain a lot. But, um, <laughs> and she grew up in a, in, in a household, and her, her grandfather said to her once about going to the, when they were, she was talking about going to the movies, my grandfather said to her, um, you know, are you aware that you're going to the movies? How would you feel if the Lord returned and you were in the cinema. And <laughs> so uh, it was, uh, <laughs> so that, that was my background. They had a, they had a, um, they grew up, my parents both grew up in a Brethren church, then they went to a Baptist church, then to an Anglican church. So we kind of moved around a little bit from, from place to place. And, uh, and my sort of Christian experience was really one of being, being just, being a Christian was just a part of everything that we did. And I went to a, a camp when I was 11 or so, which is probably the point where you'd say, if there was a time where you say, yeah, I made a decision, that would be it. But then I just kept living my life as you, as you do. Um, there were a couple of, of things that happened that were interesting that, that I think changed who, who I am and changed my understanding of, of who God is. And one was that uh, when I, I went to a, the local church, St. Swithin's at Pimble, and um, uh, the minister there was responsible for a, a, a beach mission. And so, and it wasn't like a, a, a children's beach mission. If you imagine, you remember the children's beach mission where they get someone dressed up like, I know, Pluto, and they walk along the beach with a rope and the kids. It wasn't, it was a teenage mission, um, which meant basically that it was an excuse to go surfing. And so what was interesting about it was that we went to, uh, I, I'd lived in Pimble. Uh, I grew up in Taramara. Uh, I went to um, a local private school. You know, that was kind of my experience of life as a whole. And God was part of that. And that was just my experience. You know, that was kind of my culture, my background. And then I went down to uh, Kayama on the beach mission. And um, the guy who put the beach mission together had drawn together all these people from all these different places and, 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 and uh, backgrounds and parts of Sydney. And we went to Kayama, which was a place I'd never been. 
Uh, and what, I, what surprised me most was that these people were all completely different in background and culture to me and yet Jesus was a constant in all of that. And it really opened my eyes to, well, you know, Jesus is more than just, you know, uh, something that we do culturally, something that we do religiously. You know, it's, it's, it's a real, he's a real person. And I saw all of these, I met these people who were um, just, uh, like I say, completely different backgrounds to anyone I'd come across before. And I saw the first time I saw people dance in worship, uh, the first time I saw, I, I really came across speaking in tongues, the first time I heard people being prayed for, for being healed. You know, it was a whole eye-opener for me and that changed my journey. Uh, and it was also there that I met Nikki, uh, my wife. That's what happens when you go on beach mission, isn't it? You meet your, <laughs> you meet your partner. Uh, so, and um, the, so I'm just making sure I'm following through what I've said here. Uh, so, we, yes, and we, so we met there and um, then we married, uh, had uh, two of our children. And then there's just sort of a couple of things in my life. Like I said, there was the beach mission was one. But then uh, what happened was I was, I was working for a company and, and they, uh, they folded but they had a parent company overseas. And so what turned out was I had like a three-month uh, redundancy. When, you know, I had a three-month payout from this company I was working for. And I'd worked out that, well, I've got this three-month window. So what I can do is I can try and find a work somewhere else. Or I thought, I reckon I can probably start up a business doing what I used to do for this company. And I've got this three-month moving window so that... You know, if worst comes to worst, I've got a buffer. If nothing happens for three months, that's all right. I know I knew I could find a job. So I thought, well, that's all right. I'll start working on, on this business that I'm doing and, and, and see how I work into that, you know, the three-month window. And what I worked out was that I could work for about, I needed about, at that stage, about two weeks' work a month to kind of keep the funds moving, you know, to keep things rolling along, which meant that I spent a lot of time with no work, where I would be finding work, you know, it wasn't that I was needed money, but that was just what, I, you know, you needed to go out and find work. And I also found that I had a lot of spare time. So I had a, a, a shed, which is actually the back of the garage at home, was shed, and I set up my business, and that's where I used to run it. And what I found was that I'd spend a lot of time in that, and I just used to listen, just to what God was doing. Sometimes I'd just sit, and I'd put on some worship music, and I'd just sit and just be. And sometimes I'd read my Bible, sometimes I'd pray, sometimes I'd just do nothing. But I just sat, and I sat. And then things started to happen from a work perspective. And um, the, the business just got busier and busier, and I hadn't done anything. I hadn't prayed for it. I hadn't you know, asked God to do it. I was just sitting and being with, uh, with God. And one of the things that really came to me through that was the, the, you know, it, it says, um, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. God kind of uh, reinterpreted that to me as saying, you look after my business and I'll look after your business. And it was in that, it was in that time when I found I was just sitting and listening and I wasn't doing anything. I was just being. And God was looking after the rest because that's what he does. And it kind of made me realize, well, then if that's the case, what, what's really important? to God, you know, what really matters to him. And I, uh, I used to work with a builder and I was talking to him once about uh, the idea of, you know, how an apprenticeship works and what you do with an apprentice. And the idea of your apprentice is that, you know, we, I'll go out to a building site and I'm going to, you know, when we're there, he's with me all the time 
and I'm going to teach him how to do stuff. And, and I, he, can't go, he can't do anything without me. But then after a, you know, a, a period of time, I can leave him for half a day and come back. And at least give him jobs to do, he'll do them. And then after a while, so I can leave him for... And then you know, eventually get to a point where I can send my apprentice and he can go to that building site and he can work there for the whole week and I'll come back at the end of the week and find out what he's done. You know? And that's you've got this kind of idea of an apprentice. But I thought, you know, you want to train them up so that they can be independent. But then I think God's the exact opposite of that. And that what he wants is he wants us to get to a point where um, we can't survive, uh, you know, not just a, a week without him. Or we can't survive a day without him. We can't, you know, it's this moment by moment thing. Because God, God, I think, the thing that I've learned is that God has really only one interest. He just wants relationship. And that's all he wants. He doesn't care about all of the other stuff. And when I look back over what's happened to my life of, of, you know, through the, the journey of losing work, um, finding work, um, things have happened. Um, we, we, we lost a baby and uh, there's, which taught us a whole lot more about who God was. And, you know, we've had kids, all of this kind of stuff. But there's this constant stream through my life of, of God just wants to know me. You know, that's his relationship thing, and that he just, that's, that's all he wants. And I think if I could summarise, you know, what I've learnt and where my life has been and what I've done, I think that's it. And I used to go walking in the mornings, and uh, where I'd, I'd just go out for a wander, and that would be part of my quiet time. And, but it was early in the mornings, and so I'd come back, uh, I'd get back, back home to, you know, to get, get the morning going, and it might be half past six, you know, that kind of thing. And I thought one morning, I wonder how long it'd be before anyone realised I was missing well, this is a strange thing to think about. You know, I was out walking and I thought, because what happened usually was the kids would get up about, you know, I don't know, quarter past six and they start, you know, rummaging around and making noise and then my wife would get up, Nikki would get up and she'd have a, you know, have a shower and, get a, and I thought, well, you know, if I'm due home at 6.15, by 6.30, would anyone know I was missing? Or, or by, you know, 6.45, would anyone know I was, you know, well, how long would it take? And then when would the search parties come out? You know, how would all this work? And I was thinking about this, and then I felt God say, well, if I left, how long would it take you to notice that I'd left? You know, would it take you, would it take you a day? Would it take you a week? And would it take you a month? How long could you live your life um, if God had left without you actually knowing that he'd left? And um, it really, and I think that's kind of where I'm coming from, that it, 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 God just loves to be with us, and he wants to be with us, and I think that's, that, that's kind of the story of my life. That's what I've learned. So thank you for listening. Thank you, Mac. I love this man. <laughs> Lord, we just thank you for his heart, and uh, thank you for opening up some more of your realm to us, Lord. Just bless Marcus through the day and bless his family, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. He always comes up with the most amazing conversations. What would it be like to not speak for a day? How much would you learn? These are the things that go on in his head. It's amazing. <laughs> Thanks, love. And now we get the joy of listening to lovely Kathy Hawkes. Come on up, Kathy. <laughs> <laughs> Looking forward to hearing more. So, Lord, bless Kathy as she speaks to us this morning, as she lays down her story, Lord. We thank you for her. We thank you for you and her, Lord God, and we look forward to hearing what you're doing. Amen. Yeah. 
Okay. It's a bit different uh, standing up here to tell your story as opposed to just leading the service. It feels a bit more vulnerable, but um, a phrase that uh, a friend told me recently, which is, do it afraid. And I think that's a, that's a good one, isn't it? Do it afraid. Um, I'm Cathy, if you don't know me. And I'm married to Steve, 34 years next month. And uh, <laughs> we have two wonderful children, a son and a daughter, and three beautiful grandchildren, and uh, another on the way. Um, I'm going to read most of mine, because otherwise I might go on a tangent. Um, we have been part of this church since the very beginning, and um, actually that in itself is a pretty miraculous story, which I don't have time to tell now, but suffice to say that God really did place us exactly where he wanted us, and um, instead of the three years we had planned to stay in Australia, we've now been here 23. Um, in preparing to share my story, I felt that above all, I want to testify to the Lord's redemptive love. Um, a scripture that has meant a lot to me over the years is Isaiah 43, which might come up. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. This scripture speaks to me of all that the Lord has redeemed in my life and also of my identity in Christ. It also reminds me not to fear, which is something I've tended to do a lot. I grew up in a family of four with my father being a Christian scientist, which I later found out was a cult, but I didn't know that at the time, and my mother was a nominal Christian. I think I've been aware of God all my life, really, but I actually didn't give my life to Jesus until I was 18. My younger and brother and I attended both Sunday schools, Christian Science one week and Anglican the next. Um, but my mother also sent us to Christian camps at the local Anglican church uh, in the holidays, so I think I got probably fed a bit more of the good stuff than the dodgy stuff. One of the defining motivations in my life has been the search for a father figure. When I was nine, my father collapsed in our bathroom at home in London, and I was the one who found him. I remember kneeling down beside him and asking God not to let my daddy die. However, he did die, and although I wasn't fully aware of the impact of that until later in life, it obviously had a profound effect on our family of three. My mother never remarried, although she was only 39 at the time. She did a really good job of raising my brother and I, especially as she had some very significant mental health issues. And I'm so grateful to her for that. After my father died, a stranger rang my mother and threatened to harm me. It was almost like, with my father dying, just things were thrown at us. Uh, Mum told me about this because she had to warn me, but unfortunately no one told us that there would be a plainclothes policeman standing outside the school when I came out, watching for me from a safety point of view. But of course I looked out there and saw this man staring at me and I was absolutely terrified because I didn't know there was going to be a plainclothes policeman standing out there. So my mother had a word with the police <laughs> and they did actually um, eventually, actually only a few weeks later they tracked down who the man was and I felt a bit safer at school again. Later on that year, another thing happened. My mum took us down to the south coast for a holiday and a break and uh, there she left me in the care of, of some friends 
And they took us down to the beach, and um, a freak wave swept me out to sea. And I actually became very close to drowning. I remember my short life flashing in front of my eyes, just like they say it does, as I realized I just couldn't keep kicking my legs anymore. But at that moment, the lifeguards managed to reach me. I was afraid of the sea for many, many years after that. And I think it's quite ironic that the Lord brought us to Australia, where really you do need to know how to swim. And so um, I had to face my fears. And although I'm not particularly strong or brave in the sea, um, I'm, not, I'm not afraid anymore. When I was 11, my mother had a boyfriend whom I groomed to love and respect as, um, as a father figure. Sadly, he end up, uh, ended up abusing me. And although it wasn't as bad as it could have been, it was still abuse, and it affected me for many years, and in fact, into my marriage. Through these and some other unsettling events in my life, I became quite anxious and fearful, and actually I still struggle with that to an extent today. However, I think it's really helpful to identify what helps us most when we're feeling weak or under attack. Many years ago, uh, a wonderful member of our congregation, Harry Greenland, gave me a, a word that has stayed with me. He saw a picture of me with the devil, and I had boxing gloves on. He said, the Lord says you will overcome with worship and prayer. That has been absolutely true. Worship particularly has been a powerful way for me to connect with the Lord and for declaring victory over the lies that the enemy tries to make me believe. And prayer, especially with other believers, has taken me on a wonderful path to healing and freedom. I became a believer at 18 at college through a beautiful friend who when uh, she, said, she found out I played the guitar, it's very clever really, isn't it? People are very sneaky, um, in a good way. And uh, she said, oh, I go to a group at college where we play the guitar. <laughs> would you like to come? I said, oh, I don't know. Do you think I, you know, would I be, a, would I be welcome? And she said, Kathy, we would love you to come. And it was just, it just spoke to my heart. And that was the journey of how I started to become a Christian in that group. I continued to look for a father figure, really, to look after me after the Lord. I became a Christian and the Lord started really a healing process in me, but I was still looking for a father figure. And I was still looking for one when I met Steve. It was, however, very clear from early on in our relationship that Steve was not going to be that for me. Uh, which was actually really good because I had to look for the, to the Lord for that. However, I wasn't particularly good at looking to the Lord to fulfill that need. And poor Steve put up with quite a lot in those early days of our marriage. Mind you, I put up with quite a lot too. <laughs> he would agree with that, wouldn't he? <laughs> At one point in our marriage, I felt very drawn and attracted to another married man because I saw in him those fatherly qualities that I longed for that I, I didn't find in Steve, which was the Lord's plan, but it was still a need in me. I never told the man about this attraction, and I never did anything about it, but I did, but it was secret. And uh, eventually, actually it was about a year that this went on, and I eventually did seek out a trusted friend and told her about it. And uh, she encouraged me to tell Steve. And I think that confession to that friend and that confession to Steve, it actually broke the attraction. And um, it uh, had an unexpectedly had a very healing effect on our marriage. We started talking in a very different way. We started sharing 
and being for each other more than we had been before, which I hadn't expected, and it was beautiful. And it's continued to, our marriage has continued to grow and flourish over the years, and not least because of our involvement in the marriage course, actually, just to give you a plug. Everyone should do it. Most of my life, I have really been confused to what father really means, as you will probably tell from my story. And I've always found it easier to relate to Jesus rather than the Father in the Trinity. Only slowly and over many years of prayer and taking part in courses like Set Free, another plug, I would really recommend that, have I begun to relate more and more to being embraced by the Father. And I've had some very significant times of ministry with friends or um, members of this congregation over the years, and uh, where I've had some very precious encounters with the Lord, and I'd just like to share a couple here. One, actually, was when I had a picture of being back in the bathroom and kneeling beside my, my dying father. I was bending over my dad as he lay there, and I sensed then that Jesus was just to the right of me, standing there. And when I looked up at him, he was holding out his hands to me, and he said, it's all right, Kathy, you can let your father go now. I'm going to be your father. And, uh, oh, didn't expect that one, sorry. It was an amazing release and relief. I think somehow in my heart I'd held on to my father. And because God had taken him when I'm asked to, I'd asked him not to, I hadn't let my father go, and I hadn't really been able to relate to God as my father. The second significant time was when I took a journey of forgiveness, forgiving my mother's friend who had betrayed and abused me. I had tried to forgive him many times, but the memory still held pain. But this time... The person praying for me happened to suggest that in forgiving him, I would also be releasing him into freedom and from him having any power over me. And that sort of seemed to be the key to that healing, as I was really able to forgive and release him into the Lord's hands. And now that memory holds no pain for me. I have felt so incredibly privileged to be part of the Vineyard Church both here and in the UK, which is where we started with Vineyard, because of the value we place on the Holy Spirit ministering to our needs. And I feel I just want to encourage anyone who feels you've got stuff in your life that's just bubbling away there to seek healing and be vulnerable enough to ask for prayer. It's a precious, precious gift to receive freedom and release freedom to others through forgiveness and repentance. And I, for one, never want to take that for granted. Many years ago, in my 20s, a friend told me that a visiting speaker to our church camp, it was a Baptist church actually, had felt he had a revelation for me, that though I have a real love for the Lord, I don't believe he really loves me. This rang true, and I think it might have been because of those early loss experiences. I find it difficult to trust the Lord and realize who I am in him. However, over the last couple of years, I've encountered Jesus through his Holy Spirit in an unexpected way, which has shifted this for me. The last two Good Fridays, I've been to the Stations of the Cross at my daughter's church, St. James in Taramara. They set the stations up in different rooms, and uh, one of the rooms was the table of the Last Supper. And I was going through the stations in a kind of slightly distracted way, because I'd actually taken um, a friend of mine from the UK with me. But I went into this room, and I sat on the cushion by this table, and I shut my eyes, and suddenly I was actually transported to the Last Supper itself, believe it or not. With the disciples, the disciples were all there and Jesus was at the head of the table and John was leaning against his shoulder. In my mind's eye, if you've never had a picture, that's what I mean. You know, it felt like I'd been transported back there. 
And um, I realized that I had positioned myself back from the table. I didn't feel I could be part of this group. And I was looking around them and I was thinking, Who, which disciple would I be if I was really here? Would I be doubting Thomas? Possibly. Would I be Peter, who's always putting his foot in it? Probably. Um, anyway, in the end, I kind of just felt to look over at Jesus. And as I looked over, I just saw his face and he had such love in his eyes and a smile on his face. And he said to me, yes, Kathy, I know all of that stuff about you. But nevertheless, when you ask which disciple you are, you are John, whom I love. It was such a momentous feeling to be likened to John, to be that loved and be able to be that intimate with Jesus. And I think because I'd struggled with intimacy, that was very precious. I could lean against his chest, and it made me feel that I, too, could be embraced like that. The second time I went to the stations, I had another encounter as I sat actually in the same place, and I wasn't expecting that either. But this time he said to me, you're not only loved, you're invited, you're chosen, and you're welcomed. And these two encounters have done a lot for my sense of identity in Christ, and I now have a, sense, a greater sense of his love for me. Just to finish, after the first of those encounters, I went on a retreat, and I had a spiritual direction from a lovely nun, and uh, I told her about this experience of sitting at the uh, Last Supper table, and she said, oh, you know, I think you should stay with that. I think you should maybe journal or even write a poem, and I thought, a poem? write a poem. can't write a poem. That's weird. Anyway, I sat down with the Lord, and that's exactly what happened. So I just thought I'd finish with it. I felt small, unworthy, guilty, ashamed, uncertain. You were loving, compassionate, all-seeing, but accepting fully anyway. Joyful, twinkle in your eye, warmth, comparing me to John, wanting me to just be able to lay my head against your chest. Familiar, intimate, relaxed, trusting fully, I am safe. So thanks for listening to me. I just um, felt actually as I was preparing this talk that I had a picture of a box that was filled with different kinds of jewels. And I wanted to bring it to you this morning because I felt like these jewels were waiting for anyone that wants them. And they're all different shapes and sizes, because we're all different shapes and sizes. And I was reminded of the Father's redemptive love coming in many shapes and sizes. But the one for you will fit your need exactly, so, as it has mine over the years. So I just put that out there as maybe something for ministry time. Thank you. Thank you, Kathy. That was beautiful. I just want to pray with Kathy as she's laid open her heart and her soul to us. Lord, I thank you for this beautiful woman. I thank you for the testimony of who you are, Lord God, and your, Lord, just your faithful pursuit of us, Lord God. Thank you for always being with Kathy, Lord. Thank you for bringing her through and thank you for bringing her here, God. Thank you for the wealth that you have deposited in her. So, Lord, I pray just a continuation of that story of your redemption in her life, Lord God. We thank you for that and how it ripples out of her. Bless her today. So, guys, I just um, we've got quite a bit of time, actually, which is lovely. Um, what a 
privilege for us to hear, hey, and just a reminder for us to hear that, um, you know, we, we see what we see, hey, and then there's always a story. There's always a backstory. So, um, you know, the things that I guess stood out for me this morning, just that, that highlighting, as Max said, you know, God wants relationship with us and he is faithful. Kathy's story of redemption, his redemptive love and redemption in our lives. And, you know, that that impacts us in terms of identity and that God reminds us. I love those things that you said, Kathy, that we, that Jesus said, you are loved, you are invited, you are chosen, and you are welcome. And you know that God gives us the tools to overcome and to heal. And so I guess I just want to invite us to, uh, is Anna here still? Yes, you are. I wonder if you'd mind just coming up and playing a little bit and maybe we can just take some time. And if any of those things, you know, if you're feeling like you're not in the relationship with God that you want to be in, because he wants to be in relationship with us, right? So if on our side, if we're not quite in that place, come and get prayer. Lord, if, you, if you're struggling to see his faithfulness, and that happens, come and get some prayer. You know, if you're struggling with identity, that in that beautiful scripture, you know, it says God summoned us by name. He knows us. Come find out who you are. He wants to let you know. So, yeah, if any of those things have struck you, really come up, get pray, ask someone alongside of you to pray with you. But we'll just take some time now. Is that all right? <laughs> 